The Powers on Sports podcast is brought to you by Titan Home Lending, Print and Marketing Solutions, and Star Alvarado. Enjoy the podcast. Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. A kick. It is To beat the man, you gotta beat the man. The two one swung lane drive right there. One run is in. Here comes Green. Here's the run of the play. This is the Powers on Sports podcast. All right, welcome in Powers on Sports podcast. I'm your host Jason down in Tampa. We have hit the month of August. We can actually now say college football games will happen this month. NFL preseason games will happen this month. And the NFL regular season is about five weeks away. Hall of Fame game is opening on Thursday night of this week. I believe it's Jets in Pittsburgh, I believe. Uh, you, by the way, you won't see Aaron Rodgers in the game, so don't even think you're going to see Aaron Rodgers. But NFL Hall of Fame weekend, this weekend in Canton, Ohio. Local guy here, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tiki, or excuse me, Rondé Barber will be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So shout out to Rondé Barber. Also want to give a shout out, I forgot to do this last week on the, on the podcast, Tampa's own Fred McGriff, elected to the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, in Cooperstown, and that ceremony was last weekend. So shout out to Fred McGriff and Scott Rowland for making the Hall of Fame, but it's Fred McGriff especially. He's a Tampa guy. He's been a part of uh, this podcast before. So a shout out to Fred McGriff, and we will try to get Fred on here later in the year, maybe towards the playoffs, uh, once some of the uh, Hall of Fame stuff kind of settles down a little bit for Fred. So um, lots of stuff going on. you got Women's World Cup. We've got training camps. We've got the Major League Baseball trade deadline, which just expired. We'll talk about that here in a, in a minute or two. Uh, we got realignment news in college football. We got TV deals in college football. We got a little gambling scandal. And our guest this week is going to be Tyler Jones of Chat Sports. We're going to be starting our NFL divisional previews as part of the next uh, four episodes. We're going to do. Um, sorry, we'll probably actually do. Uh, yeah, we'll do. We'll do two divisions. Per episode for the month of August, we'll cover all the divisions in the National Football League, give you a little divisional preview. Tyler covers the Seattle Seahawks, Baltimore Ravens, and some New England Patriots. So we're going to talk to Tyler about the NFC West and the AFC North on our preview this week. So Tyler's going to give you some great insight on the, on those two divisions. We'll we'll talk about teams and predictions and all that kind of good stuff for the for those two divisions so we've got a good lineup of guests that are going to be helping us with the with the divisional stuff here moving through the month of august we'll get you some good uh, guests on, on on that front so before we get to tyler i want to like i said want to hit on a couple things first i want to start with the women's world cup did you see carly lloyd's comments scathing comments towards the u.s women's national team Remember, the women's national team is, has advanced to the round of 16 at the World Cup. They finished second in their group. They've really struggled in the, in the group stage. And Carly Lloyd with some very pointed comments towards the coach, towards the players on the team, 
towards kind of the, her thought of the entitlement that she thinks that the national team is going through after their 0-0 uh, tie versus Portugal earlier in the week. Remember, had the U.S. lost to Portugal, they would have been out, and Portugal hits the post in the 91st minute of extra time, um, of, of, of excuse me, of uh, injury time. The, the, the Portuguese women, big underdogs in the game, played a tremendous game and, again, hit the post in, in, extra t- in injury time in the second half. So the U.S. team skate by, and I guess part really scathing comments post-game when you see the U.S. team basically celebrating after the 0-0 draw, taking pictures with fans, celebrating like they won 4-0, you know, giggling and laughing, and just a very, very pointed comments by Carly Lloyd. If you didn't see those, find them online. They're very, uh, you know, very, very, give her credit. She's She was a part of that team. She was a part of the 2019 World Cup Champions team. She's a big, big figure in women's soccer historically, and she was she's covering the tournament for Fox. And, again, post-game, I happened to be up watching the game. Well, I won't tell you why I was up, but I was up, and I actually watched the entire Portugal game at 3 a.m. in the morning. I stayed up to about 5.30 in the game. The post-game comments at, you know, 5.15 in the morning on Fox – or live, just very, very uh, give her give her credit for doing that. She didn't have to do that, and I'll give her credit for doing that. She was very critical of uh, Vladko Andonovsky, the new coach. Remember, he he took over after Jill Ellis left the U.S. program following the 2019 World Cup. So he's been there about three years, three plus years, taking over, and just not a lot of creativity with the, with the on the team. A lot of new players, which is okay. But again, the U.S. team coming into this tournament is the as the favorite. They are by no means the favorite at this point. They are going to be playing the number three rated Sweden in the round of 16, which is a brutal matchup for both teams. Uh, The U.S. will go into this game most likely as an underdog, so we will see what kind of tactical changes Andonovsky makes. Um, if the team is even good enough to, to, to beat Sweden, uh, you know, for me watching this team, I just don't see a lot of impact difference makers on the team. They got good players, but I think like Carly Lloyd said, I think she, she made a comment that the culture and the, and the mindset of that, of the whole women's so- national soccer team program has kind of shifted away from the grind of being great to more the the glamour of being the number one team in the country, the uh, in the world, excuse me, the monetary benefits, the exposure that they're getting, the social media stuff. She really was very poignant in her comments about they've lost their they lost have lost their way, and basically the group is a bunch of arrogant uh, an arrogant team as opposed and very entitled as opposed to being the kind of grinded out, put in the hard work put in the work to be number one in the world, and then the monetary and all the accolades will follow. Was she talking about anybody in particular? Who knows? Uh, she did not point out any any particular player, but she just made a very pointed general comments toward the, the operation of the team, and she was critical of the coach as well. Lack of... Uh, uh, of creativity in the game plan, things like that. So we will see how the USA reacts. They play Sunday morning, 5 a.m. on Fox against Sweden. So I will probably figure out a way to get up for that. And so uh, if you're if you're a soccer fan, this is the game to watch. USA Sweden, 5 a.m. on Sunday morning. So um, there's your Women's World Cup uh, analysis um, for that. So. Um, let's go to the trade dead. Let's go to the, let's go to the trade deadline. MLB trade deadline expire or was on Tuesday at uh, six o'clock. 
lot, not a you know the two big names that got moved over the last several days were Verlander and Scherzer. Verlander goes back to Houston, big bold move by the Astros. Scherzer goes from New York to Texas. The the the, the uh, you know the Mets basically are paying about a hundred million dollars of the two guys' remaining contracts in order to unload the contracts. Um, they're paying about $50 million or so for each guy to, to go to the other team. They did get a couple of decent prospects in return, but that just shows you what kind of money and, and, and uh, money Steve Cohen has, the owner of the Mets, pay, willing to pay basically $100 million to two other teams to, to uh, take those guys off their hands. New York was not going anywhere. They unloaded several other pieces, but Verlander and Scherzer gone from New York. Houston right back in the mix now as a major contender in the American League. Scherzer is going to be somebody that's going to help Texas. You got Baltimore. You got Tampa Bay. You had Anaheim taking Shohei off the market and adding six other players to the mix there. Giolito and several other bats and, and pitchers to, to, to go for it for your Anaheim. Uh, tough tough call there whether they're doing that. I think that's the only, only plausible way that they would ever have to keep Otani. Sounds like Otani is approving of the of the deals and likes it. The uh, the Angels are about four four games out of the third wild card. They just finished a long road trip, so Trout should be back in another couple of weeks. So maybe they can make a move. It'd be good for the sport if Otani and Trout can get in the playoffs, and it would be good for the Anaheim Angels if they could get in the playoffs. That would increase their their ability to keep Otani. Sounds like he wants to stay on the West Coast. Um, and again, they removed him from the trade market uh, as well. Same with the Cubs. They take Bellinger off the market, playing really good. They didn't make really any moves. They kept what they had. No Stroman, no Bellinger getting traded. Lots of people thought those were the two names. The Padres didn't trade their guys that they could have traded. Snell, Hayter, potentially Soto. They actually added players to the mix. They're playing a lot better the last 10 days, so I think they're going for it as well. That's a team to look out for. That team could get on a run here and make the playoffs, and if they can just somehow make it, they can be a major threat in the in, in the National League playoffs um, to the clearly the top team in the National League of the Braves. You got the central battle between the Reds, Milwaukee, and the Cubs, and then out west you got the Dodgers, Padres. I think Arizona's kind of fading, but potentially maybe Arizona. So, um not a lot of big moves by some of the contending teams. Cincinnati did nothing, which very much surprised me. Didn't make a play for Verlander. Didn't make a play for Flaherty potentially. Um, they basically said we're gonna we're gonna if we get in this year, great. If we don't, we're building for the future. I don't like that move. If you're Cincinnati, you gotta make you gotta try to go get somebody of note for the stretch drive, especially in the pitching department, whether it's a closer or not even a closer, but a starting pitcher. That's what they need. They needed a, a one or two starter in their rotation. They do think Hunter Green's going to be coming back at some point. They're big, their big young pitcher, starting pitcher. But again, down on Cincinnati for not going, not making a move for somebody they had. They have a lot of guys in the minor leagues, a lot of young guys. Um, Tampa Bay, again, I was not not thrilled with what they did. They added uh, Aaron Savali, the pitcher from Cleveland. He's at best going to be a fourth starter for the Rays. Uh, not uh, again to me. The Rays needed to make another big a big move either for a big closer, potentially Hater, somebody like that. Uh, I don't love what the Rays did there. They they have been playing better the last uh, five or six days. They just got done taking two out of three from the Yankees, took two out of three from Houston, which is good, both on the road. So that's a good sign. Maybe they've they've snapped out of their slump a little bit. 
But the Rays add Savali, who they're going to have under control for another year or two, which is that's the only good thing is you're going to have him under control. But again, from a postseason perspective, Savali is going to be at best the, the four, a game four starter uh, type situation. So I didn't love that for the, for the Rays. Baltimore again, they they could have been in the mix for Verlander very easily. I think that would have been a guy they they really could have used. Their starting pitching needs some help. They did go get Jack Flaherty from the Cardinals, which will help. But again, he's not Verlander. He doesn't have the pedigree that Verlander does or Scherzer has. Um, so, and the last guy I want to make a comment about is Eduardo Rodriguez, the pitcher from Detroit. And who's Eduardo? He's a solid pitcher. He's probably a two or three on most teams, probably a three. Uh, the Dodgers pretty much had a trade in place for him, and he at the last minute invoked his no trade clause not to go to the Dodgers from Detroit down on him. I know there's some talk of that he had some family matters and things like that. But if you're Eduardo Rodriguez, are you kidding me? You're not going to go from Detroit to a major pennant race for the Dodgers, a perennial winner. I'm down on uh, on that guy for that. You ha- To me, that just tells me he's not a big game playoff competitor. Um, who knows how he would pitch in the playoffs. But again, from a competitive perspective, you have to want to go to a playoff contender, a team that's going to make the playoffs. If you're Eduardo Rodriguez, remember he played for the Red Sox prior to going to Detroit. And to stay in Detroit – over a uh, family matter. Again, that's something that a, that a plane ride can solve. If it's an emergency situation, the Dodgers are going give to give him his room to do what he had to do. If there was another issue, you have to, t- you have to make the move if you're Eduardo Rodriguez. So shame on, I, down on Eduardo Rodriguez for not going to the Dodgers. So uh, there's your baseball update. Again, no more moves can be made. Trade deadline's over. No more waiver system. So this is who you got. Going down the stretch, there's about 50 games left or so, 55 games for most teams. So it will be very interesting to see jockeying for position in the American League East, especially Yankees and the Red Sox do virtually nothing at the deadline. Uh, Baltimore does very little. That whole division does very little, which is a little surprising. Who's going to win that division? Is it Baltimore, Tampa Bay? Will the Yankees get in as a wild card? Domingo Herman just gets announced. He's going into alcohol rehab, rehab, so he's done for the year. So another blow to the Yankees pitching staff. Um, this just might be a lost year for the Yankees, and it'll be interesting to see what happens if they don't make the playoffs. Will Cashman and Aaron Boone survive? So there's your Major League Baseball update. Uh, training camps in full force uh, around the National Football League. Uh, Hall of Fame game this week. Most all, all the other teams will start their preseason next week. Um, so you pretty much have about another week of the dog days of training camp, and then we'll start playing games. Again, don't don't expect to see starters playing much in most of these uh, situations. Uh, you will see a couple of quarterback battles around the league here in Tampa. You got the battle between Kyle Trask and um, Baker Mayfield. That'll be a, that'll be a battle that'll play out in training camp as well. Um, I can't really think of any other quarterback battles. Maybe te- maybe with the Texans, does Davis Mills or does C.J. Stroud start? I would expect Stroud to get the nod. Indianapolis is going with Richardson. Young has already been named the starter in Carolina. Sounds like Desmond Ritter's the starter in Atlanta. Those are about the only spots that you're going to have. You do have the Joe Burrow injury, the calf injury in Cincinnati. We'll see how that goes. That 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 very much could run right up to the beginning of the regular season, or maybe even bleed into the regular season a week or so. You won't see Joe Burrow practice until probably the week of the regular season at the earliest, with a pretty decent calf strain. Those calf strains are usually five or six weeks, potentially longer. Um, so 
Um, and then you have the Sean Payton comments referring to Nathaniel Hackett's run in Denver last year. Uh, what he said wasn't wrong, but probably him outing him publicly was probably not the uh, the best thing to, to say. But it is what it is. Pressure now on Russell Wilson. No more excuses for Wilson. Um, again, Hackett was has commented this week. He wasn't thrilled with the comments, nor should he be. But the facts of the matter are he did a horrendous job in Denver. He allowed Russell Wilson way too much leeway in doing the things he did last year. Last year with having coaches and personal coaches and those kind of people having offices at the facility and all that crap. So a lot of blame to Nathaniel Hackett, but Sean Payton uh, blasting Nathaniel Hackett and those comments uh, with the comments about his job in Denver last year. Interesting to see how, uh, how uh, Payton does. Payton lost two receivers this week, uh, two valuable third and fourth receivers. So we'll see how the Denver Broncos uh, are able to handle that uh, as we go into year one, Sean Payton. So, and by the way, remember, Sean Payton is no uh, choir boy either. Suspended for the year, several years back for the whole um, Bounty Gate situation in New Orleans. Remember, they put the bounty on Brett Favre in the uh, NFC Championship game with Greg Williams and company. Uh, so, uh, by no means is Sean Payton a choir boy uh, uh, and such. So, uh, last note, and then we'll get to... Um, then we will get a couple more college football notes. Then we'll get to Tyler Jones of Chat Sports talking NFC West and AFC North. Pac-12 is about to announce a deal with Apple TV as their kind of their media rights partner. The uh, the Pac-12 is hemorrhaging as the Big Ten is trying to to scoop up Oregon, Washington, Cal, and Stanford potentially. Colorado's already left to the Big 12. Arizona, Arizona State, Utah are probably going to follow to the Big 12. So Pac-12 is in big, big trouble when it comes to football. But they are getting ready to announce some kind of a deal with Apple TV. We will again. We'll see what uh, the ramifications of that are. Don't be surprised to see a team like Gonzaga go to the Pac-12 for the basketball component and some of the other sports. Obviously, Gonzaga doesn't play football, but don't be surprised to see Gonzaga go to the Pac-12 moving forward. But again, the the Pac-12, from what we know of it, will be no longer this time next year when it comes to a football league. Oregon State and Washington State will probably be the two biggest names left. Maybe Cal and Stanford, but I doubt it. I think they'll get a deal done to probably get them to the Big Ten. You also have some uh, rumblings about Clemson and Florida State leaving the ACC. Uh, Florida State came out with a strong statement earlier in this week about they need their their uh, revenue distribution to change significantly. So don't be surprised if there's some uh, SEC Big Ten jockeying for some Clemson and for uh, Florida State here in the next coming uh, couple of weeks or so. So uh, you had a little gambling scandal at Iowa State involving probably their starting quarterback. He got busted for gambling last year and the year before. Um, be interesting to see if he gets suspended and what happens. Remember, he was not even of legal age to do it. I think he, the age is 21 and he was under 21. Tried to do it through his parents, so he's going to have some issues there from a legal perspective. Interesting hire by Northwestern. They bring in Skip Holtz. Skip Holtz is the coach of the USFL Birmingham Stallions, son of Lou Holtz, former head coach at South Carolina, USF, La Tech. He's going to kind of be the a consultant to the program at Northwestern this year to try to help them navigate through all the disaster they're going through. Lawsuits galore are going to be coming at Northwestern by former players involving the uh, 
Pat uh, Fitzgerald situation. So that's going to be a, uh, an attorney's dream come here the next six months to a year at Northwestern involving lawsuits and all that kind of stuff. So big settlements are coming. Uh, be, be ready for some big settlements out of Northwestern related to all the uh, athletics, uh, dis- uh, bullying and all that stuff, that that's racial discrimination and all that kind of stuff that's getting ready to happen. And we'll see what happens with Pat Fitzgerald and his contractual situation uh, at Northwestern and moving on. So, uh, so there's your college football news. Again, we'll be back in just a minute or two with well, a couple minutes with uh, Tyler Jones, Chat Sports, talking NFL divisional preview, AFC North, NFC West. You'll enjoy the chat. Tyler does a lot of great stuff. Uh, he's based out of Dallas now, working for Chat Sports. So you'll get to hear Tyler Jones previewing some NFL divisional stuff here on the Powers on Sports podcast. If you haven't already done so, hit subscribe on that uh, on your podcast platform. Remember, rate and review it. Tell a friend about what we're doing. We're trying to give you some great content every week, uh, meaning, meaningful content. My Florida Football Insiders podcast will be starting here pretty soon at the end of the month. Where we're going to talk all things college football in the NFL and the state of Florida. So you can find that podcast later at the end of the month as the college football season gets underway. I also host a Buck, Tampa Bay Buccaneers centric podcast called the No Quarter Given podcast. We're having an episode will be out the, uh, here tomorrow on Thursday of this week as well, talking all things Tampa Bay Buccaneer training camp and such. Uh, and you can also find all of our video interview content on my YouTube channel, the Jason Power Sports Channel on YouTube. And you can find uh, my Twitter feed, which is now X, apparently the X feed, JPO Sports on whatever it's called these days. Is it Twitter? Is it X? Uh, but JPO Sports is my handle there. Love to hear your comments, thoughts, whatever. We've got some good stuff coming up here in the month of August. Uh, and also I co-host a show on Wednesdays, an internet sports morning sports radio show on Wednesday mornings called The Press Box. You can find it online, Press Box Radio, the app. You can download uh, the app, find, listen to all of our previous episodes, but I'm on every Wednesday talking with our my guy Mike Grace uh, up in uh, based out of Atlanta. So lots of places to find me. Appreciate you listening. Tell a friend. Uh, love to hear from, from them and you. Appreciate the support. And Tyler Jones from Chat Sports coming up next. And now a word from Titan Home Lending. Are you in the market to purchase your first time home, relocate to the state of Florida, or just purchase that second home or investment property? Well, if so, Titan Home Lending can help you get financing for that new home purchase. Reach out to Jason Powers, 205-790-1404, and I can help you get pre-approved in less than one day. A pre-approval is critical in order to make that offer on your home. You want to know how much of a home you can make an offer on, and getting a pre-approval will allow you to do that. From an FHA, VA, conventional loan, jumbo loan, bank statement loans, there are numerous loan options out there to help you get into your house of your dreams. You can also renovate. You can do a renovation loan, which will allow you to make home improvements and finance the costs into the loan. So reach out to Titan Home Lending anywhere in the state of Florida for your next home purchase. 205-790-1404. Now a word from our partners at Print and Marketing Solutions, as well as Star Alvarado, our realtor here on the podcast. 
If you have any buying and selling needs anywhere in the Bay Area, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. She can help you on the selling side or the buying side of any real estate transaction here in the Tampa Bay Area. From St. Pete to Tampa to Wesley Chapel and anywhere in between, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. And Print and Marketing Solutions, my guy Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Todd's located on the corner of Lineball and Gun Highway over in Carrollwood. Todd can help you with all of your print and supply needs, corporate events, golf tournaments, signs and banners, marketing pieces, color copies, anything in between. Todd is your print and marketing specialist. Again, print and marketing specialist, Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. All right, welcome back. Powers on Sports Podcast. It is now AFC West. I'm sorry, NFC West. AFC North preview time for the National Football League. Opening day is just a couple of weeks away here as we work our way through training camp and we are going to discuss both divisions, excellent divisions from top to bottom. Tyler Jones, chat sports host, covers the AFC uh, North and the NFC West for them, as well as the New England Patriots as well. You can find Tyler at Tyler Jones Live on Twitter. My guy out of Dallas, Texas. Welcome in, Mr. Jones. Jason, always a pleasure to have to catch up, my friend. And uh, it's almost here, right? Here we are with uh, a lot of teams reporting to – Training camps uh, this week and getting their practices started. Uh, finally, the the wait is over. I can't wait. Is it 125 degrees like it is all over the country in Dallas? How's the weather in Dallas? You know, I just got back from Phoenix where it was <laughs> 119 there, um, but not humid. So it was just like stepping in an oven, basically. I get back here, it's humid and like 105. So uh, I am staying indoors as much as I possibly can, but nonetheless, we're powering through. Tell everybody about your, I know you're a huge NASCAR guy, and I know you've been been to some different uh, races over the summer. Talk, tell the audience about your uh, your adventures this summer on the on the NASCAR scene. Yeah, uh, so on the NASCAR side of things, uh, I work with uh, a driver, David Starr. Uh, we do a, a, a NASCAR podcast together called Let's Go Racing, and uh, – been uh going to several races uh when i can usually right before football season uh was at the uh, first ever chicago street race right. a few weeks back and so that was exciting to see that and uh you know we, we we saw a guy uh shane van gisbergen win that race in his first career start which is right. just unheard of in nascar um prior to that went to nashville and you know this year went to daytona and vegas and talladega and it's uh it's an experience uh and there's talk that i guess the jags might have their home games for a couple of years in daytona uh i would love to see nascar and the jags come together for uh quite the experience could you imagine jason if the jags are going to play at daytona all the the rvs and campers and tailgating for a jags game that that, that brings new life to that that team i mean you know, they got to find somewhere to play the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. I couldn't think of a better place than Daytona if you want to have a big cocktail party. You're right about that. You are right about that, my man. If, if you've never been to Daytona, the, the speedway is right off the main drag there in, uh, on the street, right? I mean, literally right there off the uh, the main uh, the main street there in Daytona. Oh, Jason, you got to go next year. It'll, it'll change your life, my friend. 
I actually went to the Bush. You'll this this will take you way back. When I was probably 13 years old, I actually went to the Bush Clash, the old Bush Clash. Oh yeah, lead-in race to the the weekend before Daytona, way back in this was probably late 80s, maybe 1990, something like that. I've actually been to a Bush Clash at Daytona before. So I, oh I, yeah, I, yeah. Now they run the Bush Clash at the uh, L.A. Coliseum. So, right, right. Uh, yeah, that's going way back. Then. All right, let's get to some NFL stuff here. Let's start in the NFC West, where you had the 49ers, the Rams, the Seahawks, Arizona. Obviously, San Francisco won the won the division at 13 and four. Seattle also made the playoffs at nine and eight. Then you had the the meltdown kind of in Arizona with with Cliff Kingsbury four and thirteen. And then kind of a rebuilding year in, in Los Angeles with the Rams at five and twelve after the Stafford injury. Just give me your general, just an overview of that division leading into twenty twenty three. Um, what, what what you like, what you didn't like in the division going into the twenty twenty three. Yeah, uh, I think San Francisco's loaded. Uh, I thought that team got better. I love the addition of Javon Hargrave for that team. Um, I know people were pointing to concerns about the quarterback position, but. Uh, I think we can sit here confidently saying, Jason, that Kyle Shanahan is going to figure it out one way or the other, that he is a quarterback guru, a wizard, and they're going to be okay. Whether it's uh, Brock Purdy, if it's Trey Lance, heck, even if it's Sam Darnold, uh, I think that they're going to be just fine one way or the other, that uh, Kyle Shanahan is going to figure out that quarterback position. Not too concerned about uh, Bosa not showing up for the start of camp and everything there. I think that you know, he wants to be there. They want him there. They'll get him his money. He'll get paid. Um, the Seattle Seahawks, what a story last year, right? I thought it was arguably the best story in the NFL last year for Geno Smith to, you know, go from the journeyman that he was to finally getting his opportunity and breaking out and having just a stellar year. Pro Bowler, NFL Comeback Player of the Year. They wrote him off, but he didn't write back. Uh, Gino was terrific, and I expect Gino to even play better than what he did last year. Running game, they're still going to be a run-first team. You got Kenneth Walker there, of course, coming back off of a really good rookie year. Yeah. Uh, you got two other rookie running backs coming in with Zach Charbonnet and Kenny McIntosh. I think that run game is going to be solid. The offensive line is going to be improved. And the receiving core, Tyler Lockett and D.K. Metcalf are as good as any one-two combo in the league. Now you add in Jackson Smith and Jigba to the mix as well. That, that offense is going to be explosive, and uh, they're going to win some shootouts, I think, from time to time. Defensively, Bobby Wagner coming back is going to be big for that team. There's kind of this misconception that, you know, Bobby's older now. Maybe he's not the same player he once was. No, he still was arguably the best inside linebacker in the league last year when he went to the Rams and played in a whole other system. So I think that's a big deal for them. I still think that it's concerning the interior of the defensive line yeah. Uh, Brian Monet likely not going to be back for the time when the season begins for Seattle. They don't have a ton of depth there. They really struggled stopping the run last year. I think it'll be improved. Um, you're bringing in Draymond Jones and all that they did this offseason, but I think it's still an issue. As far as the Rams go, that's the team that's the great unknown here, right? You have Matthew Stafford. You still have Cooper Cup, uh, guys that you know, won a Super Bowl a couple years ago. But can they stay healthy and can they put it all together? We know that Sean McVay is one of the best coaches in the NFL, but has their time passed? And what about Aaron Donald? Is is he going to stay healthy? He's a little bit older now. If if everything goes right, the Rams could be a playoff team. Um, But 
they let go of a lot too. We mentioned Bobby Wagner's gone, Jalen Ramsey's gone. Uh, they're not as talented as they were, uh, not even close to uh, when they won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. They're going to be playing Aaron's a lot of draft pick. They're going to be playing a lot of young draft picks. Yeah, they are, uh, and they haven't had a whole lot of draft picks to begin with. Um, Arizona is a mess. They're a dumpster fire. Uh, Kyle Murray, I like more than what people give him credit for, but we're just not sure when he's going to come back at this point. Um, you know, a lot remains to be seen as far as his status goes there. Um, but you know, James Conner is still around. Uh, you know, the run game should be decent. Uh, you know, Hollywood Browns there, Zach Ertz. The the offense has some weapons, but that defense has got a lot of major issues. Uh, you know, we don't know exactly what's going to go on with Buda Baker. He wants out. Um, Isaiah Simmons, he, he's been talked about being shopped in sorts. So right. uh, Cardinals are, are going to be bad. I don't think they're going to be as bad as people think. I think the Colts are going to be the worst team than they are um, as far as get that number one draft pick goes. But the division is very intriguing. You could have three playoff teams there. Let's let, let's stay in Arizona real quick and get a thought on Jonathan Gannon. The, the, the D.C. from Philadelphia comes in. They bring in a new GM. You mentioned uh, Kyler Murray. Remember, he blew out his knee late last year. There's a decent chance he doesn't play a lick this year, especially if they're bad, because they're going to want to be in position for the for the number one pick potentially. Is this just a full full blown rebuild there in Arizona? Uh yeah. Uh, from what I've heard, Jonathan Gannon has not been too impressive already. Um, that he has not been very cordial talking to the media and uh, going about things that way, and that he's been kind of difficult to work with. So. Yep hasn't even coached a game yet not off to a great start as is so uh we'll see with that that arizona program what what exactly goes on but it doesn't sound like things are super confident and kyler murray not only are we not sure when exactly he's going to come back but pressure's on kyler murray to perform because he's getting paid all that money right and then on top of that the cardinals with that those two first round picks they have they might be in position to be able to snag Caleb Williams in next year's draft, potentially. So if you're Arizona, you know, Kyler Murray's got to step up and put it together. And if he doesn't, then you might have uh, Caleb Williams as your guy Full next reboot. Up. Yep. No doubt. Let's go to, let's go to San Francisco. Obviously they have a great window here because you've got the young quarterback on a rookie contract. So you've probably got about a three-year window here with Purdy to, to, to make, make your hay here. You know, you mentioned the comment they're going to have to pay Bosa, which I think they will. Um, what, outside of quarterback, what 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 does anything concern you with San Francisco? I mean, they've got great skill players. Obviously, we know Debo and you got Kittle and those guys. Is there anything on defense that concerns you that makes you nervous going into this year? Or are they the clear-cut, you know, them in Philadelphia, clear-cut favorites in the NFC? They're the clear-cut favorites. Uh, I mean, they got everything. They are loaded from top to bottom. And, and the big thing that they have going for them is their strength on the offensive and defensive line. I mean, they can bully you and you add Javon Hargrave to the event, the, the Bix, and they're even going to bully you even more. And so that's what Seattle, the biggest problem they dealt with when they got swept, lost three games to San Francisco last year was that they just got manhandled on both sides of the ball, that San Francisco team and the way they run the football and, uh, get to the quarterback on defense. They, they are going to be a problem for any team they face with as strong as they are on, on the interior on both sides of the football. 
Could you see a scenario where the Rams potentially move Matt Stafford either during training camp or even potentially during the year if another team around the league had a major quarterback issue and, and things weren't going great for the Rams? Could you could you see the scenario where they move him? Well, one thing that uh, has been talked about is that the Rams are kind of taking the baseball approach to this season when it comes to the trade deadline where – um, depending on how things go, they're either going to be buyers or they're going to be sellers one way or the other. That if uh, if they're in contention, then they'll keep Stafford, they'll keep Aaron Donald and those guys. But if uh, if things aren't going too well to start the season, don't be surprised to see the Rams doing a, a wholesale uh, changes. You know, uh, we saw the Panthers kind of do that last year at the trade deadline with uh, some of the moves that they made and right. the guys they moved on from. So. I could I could see that potentially at the midway point if they aren't who they uh, expect to be, then just going ahead and blowing the whole thing up potentially and and uh, starting over. This division they play crossover games against the AFC North, which we're going to talk about here in a second, in the NFC East. So again, not uh, not not the easiest crossover divisions there, especially for the 49ers in Seattle, who who we expect to be in playoff contention. Give me the give me a player or two in the division that you really think could make a big jump and become an impact player this year. Man, uh, a big jump this year. I, I, I'm looking specifically at Kenneth Walker. Uh, he had over a thousand yards rushing uh, last season, nine touchdowns, but somehow was forgotten about. Um, was not given the credit he deserved. And think about this: he did all that, and he wasn't even the starter till week five when Rashad right. Penny was down. Now he's going to be, without question, the number one back and leading that offense. I think Kenneth Walker is going to be fantastic this year. And some people have said, you know, like, well, you know, bringing Zach Charbonnet, is that going to take away his carries? Is he not going to be the starter? Like, no, no, no. They they wear out their running backs so much in Seattle, and, and they need as many as the guys they can to keep things fresh. I think he's only going to benefit from having Zach Charbonnet as his number two back behind him. I, I agree. I agree. So it sounds like we're in consensus. We think Air, Air, San Francisco is clearly the, the number one, Seattle number two, and then the Rams three, and then we think the Arizona will be clearly four. Yeah, yeah. I think San Francisco is probably a 13-win team. Seattle's probably about a 10- or 11-win team. And then the Rams, borderline playoff team. They could be a nine-win team. It could be as low as six. Right. Um, and then Arizona's going to be bad. All right, there's your NFC West preview. We're with Tyler Jones, analyst, host with Chat Sports. Tyler Jones live on Twitter. Give the audience a little perspective of Chat Sports, what you guys do during games, what you guys are going to be doing during Sundays, Thursday nights, Mondays, about what the whole platform entails. Yeah, so our company is twofold. Uh, you know, we're on uh, YouTube and different podcast platforms doing original content for uh a ton of teams around the NFL and NBA stuff as well. And uh, for me, I I'm covering the Seahawks, the Patriots, and the Ravens and uh, doing you know daily shows on, on those teams throughout the week. And then uh, on top of that, uh, going into game days, we'll be live as these games are going on, doing these watch parties where people can react and uh, get their information as the games are going on with us in real time. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a party, uh, to say the least, you know, we enjoy ourselves. Don't take ourselves too seriously. We want to make it a fun thing that people are a part of and, and, uh, you know, have, have a drink or two with us, you know, just <laughs> kick on back and, and, uh, watch some football and have a good time. So 
we'll be all over it this season. I'll be uh, live during every Seahawks game and then uh, most games as well for the uh, Ravens and Patriots. So uh, check me out on social media, and I'll have more details there. Awesome, awesome. Like I said, they do a great job of doing a little research on them. It's a very interactive uh, platform and lots for lots of different people. So, all right, let's go to the AFC North. We have the Cincinnati Bengals, Baltimore Ravens, Steelers, and Cleveland Browns make up your AFC North. Cincinnati wins the division last year at 12-4, and four, Baltimore 10-7, and seven, Pittsburgh 9-8, and eight, Cleveland 7-10, and 10, a very competitive division. Uh, expect uh, the crossover matchups this, this, this year will be the NFC West and the AFC South. Um, just an overall thought or two about the, NF- uh, the AFC North heading into 2023. Very well balanced. You can make an argument for a couple of different teams to win this division. Yeah, this might be the best division in football this year. Uh, the Bengals obviously are stacked and they got everything going for them. I think the Ravens made tr- tremendous strides this offseason with what they did to improve that receiving core with OBJ, Zay Flowers, Nelson Aguilar, Rashad Bateman comes back from injury. Um, the Ravens are going to be really good. Still trying to figure out the edge rusher situation. Could bring back Justin Houston. We'll see. Um, the Steelers, I think, are going to be improved. I think Mike Tomlin's done a good job with that organization. Kenny Pickett played a lot better in the second half of last year. And then the Cleveland Browns is kind of the great unknown, right? Sean Watson did not play good when he came back last year. We obviously know they have talent there, but can they put it together? And there's a ton of pressure on Kevin Stefanski as well because yes. if they don't make the playoffs, then he's going to be out of there. Uh, all four teams, I think, are capable of making the postseason. Um, but the only locks, I would say, would be Cincinnati and Baltimore to get the job done. Yeah, let's start in Cleveland. You, you mentioned Deshaun. Obviously, he, he was out basically two years last year, didn't play till like week 12, 13, something like that. Just talk about that combination of, of Stefanski and Deshaun. And like you said, a critical year for Stefanski. Needs to win some games. I don't know if he has to make the playoffs, but he better, but he better have a winning record. He better, he better at least – be better than seven and 10, or I think he's in big trouble. Obviously we know Jimmy Haslam is not the most patient owner in the world. Just give a quick thought on, on Cleveland and Stefanski and, and Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Uh, I'm very curious what Deshaun Watson they're getting. Um, because last year, if we're going to be frank, he wasn't as good as Jacoby Bursett was, he was. Uh, when Jacoby started the uh, first, what was it? 11 games of the season there. Uh, you know, this team goes as far as Deshaun Watson takes them. If they get the Sean Watson that was in Houston, then they got a shot to make the postseason and they can win maybe, you know, 10 games or so. But I don't know what the Sean Watson they're getting at this point. I think Sean will be improved, but let's see if he can put everything all together. To me, that that's what this comes down to is what Sean are they getting? It is going to make a difference. I think that he is around the team uh, throughout all the, these off-season activities and practices and training camps, no suspension. That'll be a big deal. But, I mean, we'll see what it looks like when uh, when the preseason rolls around because he was not himself last year at all. Because remember, they do they they probably have one of the top five offensive lines in the league. You got you got Nick Chubb toting the rock, so you got a great running game. Like you said, Deshaun Watson. Remember, they got Amari Cooper on the outside. And can the defense be good enough? Even if the offense is good, is the defense capable of being good enough? You got Miles Garrett, right? And but- they might have the best running back in football, Nick Chubb, too. Right, right. I mean, so I don't think scoring points will be an issue. It's it's 
consistently can Deshaun Watson keep them out of the disaster and can the defense when they do get the lead can the defense hold on and take them to the promised land with with Miles Garrett and company so big big questions let's go to um team you cover the Baltimore Ravens huge offseason for them obviously they got the Lamar Jackson contract scenario worked out huge improvements like you mentioned the wide receiver position OBJ Zay Flowers you got Bateman coming back Tampa zone Nelson Aguilar um Good, good, good offensive weapons. You got J.K. Dobbins, maybe the biggest acquisition they had. They go from Greg Roman to Todd Munkin, very, very in, uh, creative play caller. Just your thoughts on the offensive side of the ball in Baltimore? Yeah, I, I really like what Baltimore's done this offseason, and we're going to see Todd Munkin, I think, turn Lamar into more of a pocket quarterback of sorts. Um, you know, people wonder. Like, hey, can Lamar, is he a good enough passer in this league? And I always remind them, hey, in 2019 when he won the NFL MVP, you know what he also did? He led the league in touchdown passes. Uh, I mean, he can be a good enough passer. And that tight end room is as good as any tight end room in football with Andrews and Likely and Charlie Kolar, who I think is going to have a breakout year. You'll see a lot of 12 personnel at times. Uh, Todd Munkin loves to use his tight ends. Um, the receiving core we mentioned is going to be improved run game. Very curious to see about JK Dobbins. He hasn't been happy this off season. Um, can he be as good as he was in the second half of last year? Definitely something intriguing there defensively for that Ravens team. Um, you look at it and Roquan Smith is incredible right now. He had a great finish to last year. He made Patrick queen better. I think Patrick queen's going to end up staying in Baltimore. They won't make a trade unless they get an offer. They can't refuse. Marlon Humphrey, solid. Kyle Hamilton, I think, should take a big step this year as well. Uh, still got questions when it comes to edge rusher of uh, finding another guy uh, to go after the quarterback. To me, the the simple fix is go bring back Justin Houston, who led your team in sacks with nine and a half last year. What are you waiting for? To me, that's the easy call here. Uh, he's beat father time at this point. I don't see why they haven't got a deal done with Justin Houston already. Yeah, all right, let's go to Cincinnati where some interesting comments out of the owner this week talking about, I don't know if we're going to be able to pay everybody. Obviously, Joe Burrow has not gotten his deal done. Justin Herbert just signed a monster deal, $134 million guaranteed, 262 I think was the number, which you know Joe Burrow is going to go a little above that. I imagine I would think that deal probably gets done at some point during training camp or early in the year at the latest with Joe Burrow. The Bengals make some big moves. Offensive line again, refortifying that line. Orlando Brown comes over from Kansas City. What do you think? Your thoughts on Cincinnati? Obviously, we know the firepower they have on offense, a sneaky good defense, and a really good defensive coordinator in Lou Amarulo. Yeah, uh, I think the Bengals are going to definitely be able to put up points. And Joe Mixon's back. Uh, they got that figured out with his contract situation. They are going to be explosive and do whatever they want offensively. Uh, the thing for them. They're not worried about this division, I don't think. They might actually be overlooking this division um, to an extent. Their competition is Buffalo and Kansas City. And I think Cincinnati is, you know, you look at the offensive weapons, um, they got more weapons than Kansas City does. Um, You know, and some people aren't going to like hearing that, but it's true. I mean, you look at their their receiving core with uh, Chase and Higgins and – uh, all those dudes, I mean, they, they can put it all together. But can their defense get the job done? You know, they lost a lot uh, on their defense. You know, they 
like we said, they couldn't pay everybody this year. And I think that's going to be a problem that could catch up to them is, you know, losing those two starting safeties and all they did there, they didn't really replace them. I I didn't like the decisions that uh, Cincinnati made for the most part when it came to retooling this defense this offseason. Let's go to Pittsburgh, uh, wrap it up with Mike Tomlin. Again, this guy just figures out a way to not have losing seasons. The, the streak continues of non I mean, they, I think they went uh, six and two down the stretch. They were in big trouble early. You got Kenny Pickett, who they went to pretty early in the year. Just your thought on Pittsburgh. I don't know if they have enough offense. I don't know if Pickett is enough of an offensive uh, game changer at the quarterback position to get them over the hump, but a very good defense. They just re-signed Highsmith. We know what Pittsburgh is on defense most years. Just give your quick thought on, on the Steelers. You know, uh, the steel curtain, the Steelers are always about running the football first to open up the passing game. Uh, Najee Harris, I think, is fantastic. Uh, Kenny Pickett, uh, main thing for him is going to be take care of the football. Make plays, don't make mistakes. Um, the weapons that they have there on, on offense, you know, decent, not bad at all. Um, as far as that goes with some of the players that are there on that Steeler offense, you look defensively uh, with – with their defensive talent as well. Really good group. Uh, strong finish to the year. Mike Tomlin seems to be know, know what he's doing there. Well, the, the the thing for them, like if they were in, let's say the AFC South, I think we would be talking about them winning the division. Right. And with just how stacked this division is, they might win nine, ten games and still finish fourth uh, yeah. in this division. Like it's just stacked from top to bottom. So uh, I, I think – that's the issue the Steelers run into. They are not a bad team, but they are not Baltimore. They are not Cincinnati. And so they're going to have uh, that issue where they're going to rely on the the coaching gap of sorts to win them football games. Mike Tomlin, I think most people would take Mike Tomlin over Zach Taylor any day. And I, if, if you're Pittsburgh, you're hoping that the coaching staff basically outsmarts some of these teams because uh, – your talent's good, but it's not as good as some, some some of these others in your own division. Yeah, these division games are going to be wars. They're going to they're going to beat each other up in the division. And to me, a key here, who wins this division is how are they going to do against the NFC West? You got San Francisco, Seattle. How do those matchups go involving these this division? Will, to me, will be a big determinant. So it sounds like you like Cincinnati to win it. Baltimore in a close second. Yes. Yeah, I, I think Cincinnati wins thirteen games and. Baltimore wins maybe 11 or 12. Yep, yep. And, and and again, I think it's going to be, like you mentioned, the the battle with Cincinnati, Buffalo, Kansas City. Play, and to me, playoff positioning will be key here. Who gets a home game in the playoffs? Who has home field advantage? I think those things will be critical, especially in this division with Cincinnati and Baltimore. Well, Tyler Jones, awesome work, man. Keep up the great work. Football fans, chat sports is your place on game day. Check out Tyler Jones. We'll be covering Baltimore, New England, as well as the Seattle Seahawks. Check out Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Jones Live. And if for, for all and promote what your uh, the NASCAR podcast one more time. Yeah, let's go racing out each and every week where you listen to podcast. Uh, also, uh, the Jones Report, uh, the uh, the sports show I do. Uh, that's out each and every week as well. So. Check those out, and uh, certainly appreciate the time, Jason. Always a pleasure, my man. Keep up the great work, Tyler, and check out Chat Sports, and you have a great week, Tyler Jones. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. 
Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at JPOSports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.